once again into the Soccer OG. It's me, Max, episode 154. Can't disguise this, I'm sure. I'm feeling pretty down, pretty down. It was a double whammy of a Sunday. First watching the uh, US under-20s get knocked out of the World Cup. You know, they talk about Mexico, the senior World Cup. They can't get the quinto partido. We can't get to the sexto partido in, uh, in uh, the under-20s. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And then the bigger one, my club, LAFC, we're hosting a Champions League in Los Angeles. It was amazing. The game got started and all went pear-shaped. Uh, there will be no uh, Club World Cup in Saudi Arabia. There will be no CCL trophy. Uh, but uh, I'm glad I'm here talking with you. I'm feeling better already. I'm feeling better already. Thanks for joining us. We have a great show. Uh, a guest I've wanted for the last couple of weeks. They got a new MLS club down there in San Diego, the CEO uh, Tom Penn will join us, Tom, who I knew from his time at LAFC. We'll talk about why San Diego is a great fit and where they can take the MLS experience to another level. I'm very excited about it because San Diego is an incredible, has incredible growth potential. And you're right there on the border, so you can push back to Liga MX in Mexico when you have that opportunity. In stoppage time, the United States men's national team have converged in Los Angeles to prepare for the Nations League semifinal game against Mexico. Christian Pulisic saying in so many words that maybe Greg Berhalter should be back. And American soccer fandom turned on him. We'll discuss what he said. We'll discuss the coaching search. And we'll get you, we'll get the, the wheels in motion a little bit for what should be an exciting couple games. Hopefully a semi and a final in Las Vegas. This is the Soccer OG. Everyone is welcome. Rate, review, download, subscribe, tell a friend. Let's get started. We are back here, and yeah, where where do I begin? You know where I do want to begin? I want to talk about the, the soccer tournament, TST 7v7. I, I tuned in a little bit over the weekend. I wish I tuned in a little bit more. It was actually a lot of fun. It was some, uh, you know, there was some some ill will there as well. Most of all, there was a lot of nostalgia to see some of these players used to cover and that you know coming back and playing, much like you did with the three-on-three -three in the basketball tournament. That was a real draw. So I think they have something good there. It can only get better. They'll probably have bigger names and clubs attend. And good starting point. So congrats to everyone who... Uh, I didn't see who finally won it. I know... I just I kind of fall into the quarterfinals. I'm sorry, man. I watch a lot. This was a very busy weekend. I had a lot on my plate. Speaking of, I was in St. Louis for my second straight game covering St. Louis City. The people there treat me really well. I just want to say thank you to everyone with the club. Uh, first class each time. I'm sure it helps that they're winning. So last week, I was like, man, where can I try one of these toasted raviolis? The claim to fame for St. Louis cuisine. I know what you're thinking. That's it? Well, hold your horses. This week, they were kind enough to bring in, and I have it on my Instagram, you can check, I had a taste test of the toasted raviolis, who, by the way, um, when, you, when you have them, it is, uh, they pass the eyeball test. It's a good-looking piece of food. Slightly breaded, toasted, nice and warm when you get it. So uh, it was very good to, uh, to see that. And I, I, I forgot the name. Anthonitos, Anthonitos Taverna? Who provided us? Thank you for that. I'm giving you some free PR. So when I'm back in St. Louis, I'm I'm, I'm expecting a big seven course meal with toasted raviolis. So they gave me like 15 of them. I shared a little bit. I brought my hot sauce so I could put it on there. 
Uh, I got some grief for putting the hot sauce, but I would do it again. The hot sauce brings out the flavor and the, uh, the marinara. You dipped it in there. You can use your hands. Great snack food. Ate three of them. Took the rest of my hotel. Didn't have dinner. I had a very early flight. I got a little hungry around 2 a.m. So I ate the, <laughs> the last box. Put it down. Got up in two hours. A lot of toasted ravioli in your stomach when you're about to go on the, uh, on the airplane. Not the greatest thing. But uh, I enjoyed it. So if we continue to travel MLS, I'm going to be back in Salt Lake. Then I will be in New York. So excited for that trip. Uh, it's been going great. And when we had these midweek games, I was just in Seattle. And they had me at the Breakwater Hotel, which is where all the musicians used to stay. And it's right there on the port. So uh, it was very lovely. So I had a lovely MLS week. It was demanding. I don't like to be at the airport that often. But uh, it was... Uh, it's time well spent. So we're back to one game week, but we'll have two game weeks coming here pretty soon. So that was excellent. So you had to, you know, I got to talk about my MLS experience because you see it firsthand. I think that's part of the, the appeal in you guys tuning in. I can tell you what's going out there. Highly recommend going seeing a game in St. Louis, by the way. Uh, Lionel Messi, that continues to go on. Um, had a meeting with Jean Laporta. His dad says he wants to return. I go, whoop-de-doo. I just don't, I mean, Barcelona want to bring him back. I don't know why. Look, Messi just finished at PSG. It didn't go great. He did. He delivered numbers, I think, in all competitions, 20 goals, 20 assists around there. So he delivered. But, um, you know, there's trying to find ways we can get to Barcelona because he wants to be around for this, at least the Copa America. Can he be around for the next World Cup? Will he be 38? It's kind of old, man. You just see these players, man. It hits you like a fist when your body can't go any longer. Usually it happens before 35, so... Messi had an incredible World Cup. He had an incredible World Cup buildup with his national team. But does he go back there? I think he'd love to go back there. But should Barcelona have him? I think it's going to disrupt everything that they've done to win the Spanish League. By the way, the Spanish League and the Serie A are wrapped up, so we're done. Those European leagues, at the end, you kind of need to <laughs> shut them down, dude. Kind of go, kind of drag a bit. Um, so... Not much going on, and then there's relegation promotion. Yeah, okay. I mean, I, it, it makes, does it really make the final weeks that much more exciting? Does it? A little bit. But, you know, it's not, it, it's, people aren't tuning in to see some of these teams survive. I would say the Premier League one was interesting with Everton and Leicester. Um, I did watch Celta to see if they avoided the drop in Spain, because we have Luca De La Torre. He started the game, and they don't go down, so good news there. Um, but this is not about rele relegation promotion, but I know there's a romantics, but they go way overboard. You don't celebrate staying up when you finish 16th. It's still like, yeah, we stink. So he's definitely out of PSG, Messi. Linked his dad, his main mentioned that his son wants to go there. He would love to. Uh, the options here are going to close. It's still Messi, but if he's 38, I mean, he's not going to be a player that's going to come into a league and play 30 games or 20 games maybe he you know, he's put a lot of tread on those tires this guy has squeezed the lemon on his incredible career that's lasted 21 years where 21 years just with Barca so um I don't think it makes sense for Barcelona uh, other than the money-making part uh, he'll participate but then again you know how does that it, do, it definitely uh, stunts the growth of Ansu Fati who wears the number 10 and then Pedri and Gavi are working with it. Maybe that goes off well. Maybe there's, there probably does go off well. What can I tell you? Uh, the Saudi money is huge. Uh, it seems like it, man. Uh, 
No one can compete with Saudi Arabia and Qatar. These are countries that have deep money because we lean into them too much for oil. I don't want to make a a uh, a big uh, a political uh, commentary here, but I'm all I'm in California. I have an electric vehicle. I'm all for alternate uh, energy, but we're not ready to completely switch to it. We're still dependent on gas, so we don't. I mean, I, I'm just saying we should create our own gas here. No, instead of being so reliant on these other people and making them richer and richer. That they can throw billion dollar contract and they could say, well, and they could throw someone a, a billion dollar contract is, has been reported to Lionel Messi. And if he says no, they go, well, how about two billion? I mean, this is the kind of crazy money. It's gross. It's gross. That kind it's sickening. No one should be paying that. Into, well, okay, how about three billion? I'm not, you're waiting for them to say it. No one should have this much money just because we're so reliant on it. Dirty, man. You know, MLS is trying to compete. I know they're going to throw crazy money, but they can't compete with this. Barcelona can't compete. And it's it, maybe it's not an issue of competition. And we, we, maybe we are all going to start watching the Saudi League as the best league in the world because they have all the great talent. But uh, is it really? Do you want to live in Saudi Arabia? I don't. Do these players want to? I'm sure they, if push comes to shove, they don't. All due respect to the Saudi League. I'm going to have to get a package now to watch these games. It's hard to see. I mean, if the money, it's just like they can compete with it. But how about how about a trillion dollars? <laughs> I still hope he comes to MLS, but I don't want to grovel at Messi all the time. At some point, you got to move on and say, all right, we'd love to have you here. If it's not going to happen, or if he's going to say, well, well, I'll join you in 18 months. They go, no. Now or, now or at least we'll circle back in 18 months, but we're not going to ag- agree to something that you'll come in 18 months. No. How about $2 trillion? That's crazy. So uh, the messy stuff, it's going to have to come to a head here. I get the feeling it's going to be Saudi Arabia. Uh, I was hoping it would be MLS and Inter-Miami, who did have a proposal. We'll see what he says. And then there's reports that he'll have a a cut of the club, a cut of Apple. (laughs) Tim Cook, here, Messi. You know, we're working for Apple TV. I don't know anything about anything about these discussions. But it is nice to know you work for a place that is this huge tech company that uh, has so much power and can, can absorb some losses here if needs be. Uh, but with a big plan for our league. I, I'm uh, bullish on uh, MLS. And I'm going to talk about LAFC in a second. I'll start in chronological order with the U.S. under-20s. Looks so good. This, this was a better under-20 effort than I had seen the last three. They've never looked like they were threatened. They hadn't conceded a goal. Played Uruguay, who, by the way, you know, I hate the way Uruguay plays. And then when you see their under-20 team playing exactly like their senior team, I'm like, damn it. They're going to beat us. <laughs> and uh, Uruguay was missing some key players, so there's even more hope. First 10, 15 minutes, USA looked good, and then they give up a goal. They got caught a little bit. Ball played in. And that game essentially was over. Uh, Uruguay, could, I mean, USA just didn't threaten. Those guys looked a bit overwhelmed. Uh, Diego Luna, for sure. Cade Cowell couldn't get through. It was it was a step up in opponents, too. I mean, Cade Cowell was, was torching uh, defenders from Fiji and um, New Zealand and Slovakia. But when he ran his Uruguay, where these guys were as athletic and fast, then you're like, uh-oh, I don't have that huge edge. Um. 
Obed Vargas was in there. I, it was fine. The lineup was fine. I like Danny Edelman, but uh, he was moved out there. And I guess you could put in um, Paredes, Kevin Paredes. Uh, did come in late, but I, I, I wasn't like up in arms on that by any means. So the U.S. did uh, let another goal in the second half. They were never really in it. Uh, outside of those opening minutes. So they're out of the quarterfinal stage again. And it is Uruguay. Let's see. It's Italy, Uruguay. Let's get this correct. It's Uruguay versus Korea. And it is Italy versus Israel. Um, I was thrilled to see the Israel tw- under 20s. I sent a tweet. and go, what a great story. And immediately all these responses about these atrocities in Palestine. I go, come on, come on, come on, come on, please. Just mentioning it's nice. A bunch of teenage kids from Israel play. I, I, I don't want to do that. That's why I'm in sports. I'm spineless when it comes to real life. Okay, that's why I talk about sports. These kids have these 19-year-old kids. But it was nice to see Israel. But it's an inter- this tournament's been good. It's going to be a bummer that the U.S. are no longer participating. But Brazil got knocked out. England, Colombia. So there have been some surprises there. Argentina, the host, got knocked out. So it's anyone's. All those year, um, I, I, the Italians have been really good. I mean, maybe it's the Italians finished the job. They've been good from the beginning in a tough group. They're in a group with Nigeria and Brazil, so they're still standing. Okay, so um, this weekend I was in St. Louis. Got on a flight uh, early Sunday morning out of St. Louis, connected in Minneapolis, uh, which was delayed. I was freaking out because I was going to miss my connection. I made it and got home. Went for my run. And went to the stadium, and it was electric. You could tell it was a big spectacle. LAFC Club Leon final, second leg of the CONCACAF Champions League. There were thousands of green-clad Leon fans inside and outside the stadium, outside the streets here in Los Angeles. So it was. It felt like an event. So you're going in there. Beginning of the match, I'm sitting on the west side of the stadium, and very close to the north stand, the 3252, they pull out this incredible um, Mortal Kombat TIFO, and then this smoke and fireworks, and then they go, and it all hit me. It was breathtaking. It made me feel like I was in the middle of the sports world. I mean, I was in the epicenter, in the epicenter of the Earth's core. And then the game started, and Leon just proved they were so much better. They were better over these two legs, uh, exposing. I mean, you know, it's kind of like when you play sports. We've all done it. Where you're playing somebody who's locked in, uh, isn't going to lose by any means, and you just don't have that intensity. You're just like, no, you're not playing it. And it's You try to build into it, but it's just never getting there. And Leon had it, and they never lost it. Uh, they are a very deserved champion. They are a, a, a club that, by the way, I told this to the folks at LAFC. Look, they've been peppering around to try and win this tournament for years. And finally, they did it. So LAFC, who's still in diapers, granted they've lost two finals, they got, they've got they got a blueprint on how you can get closer to lifting that trophy. It just doesn't happen. I mean, things are coming easier, and then now all of a sudden you have a big dilemma. Um, you're, everything that you showed that you're doing well is now in question. So LAFC, this is... This is the period where they're going to be tested to see if they can maintain that standard. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be there for them. And uh, I feel bad for the guys. You could see it etched on their face. I got, you know, embrace a few of them. And it's tough. It's tough when you're uh, immersed with the club there and have to see that firsthand. But uh, there's no doubt about it that Leon were much, much better. 
and uh, we'll see if LAFC gets back. And you know that it's it's amazing what a result changes because one minute you're about to be the, maybe the best club in MLS history with everything you've done, and you're about to bury the Mexican League. Now the Mexican League is clearly back on top, and you're not even in the top five of MLS teams. <laughs> Sports baby, love them or leave them. I will say this because I talked to the folks at LA. This is this is a gift. It showed that that stadium and that club could host a major final. And man, you know every club should get there because the windfall of money and you know there's a push of tourism dollars. You know sports works, man, for that club for that city. It works. You know a lot of Leon fans came in there with money in their pocket to spend and enjoy a weekend. They bought the tickets probably on the secondary market and they. Spent money eating and drinking and staying in hotels. That's great. That's how sports works. So, you know, everyone's happy if we could do this again. But I, I, I would welcome other MLS clubs to try and bring that to their backyard as well. But two-year run, you got to start from scratch again. But that's the way it goes. This is the Soccer OG. It's glad. I'm glad to have you with us. We have a great show. Stick around for stoppage time. We'll break down what Christian Pulisic said about how... Greg Berhalter probably should still be in charge for the next cycle. USA preparing for Mexico with the Fuller and Balogun camp in place. But coming up right now, it's the business end. New CEO of the San Diego MLS Club expansion, Tom Penn, joining us here on the OG. We're now here on stoppage time, and in case you missed it, I'm sure you didn't. It was an incredible rollout down there at Snapdragon Stadium, San Diego being announced as the 30th, 30 clubs in Major League Soccer. They are the 30th. They beat out Las Vegas. We're now with Tom Penn, CEO of the club, who uh, I've known through the years at LAFC and ESPN. Did you, did you know, does it, does it feel good to beat Vegas? Not Take that, Vegas. Say, Take no. that. They've been winning everything. They cleaned me out so much. Screw them. That's right. They've been winning for decades and especially lately. So it's about time they take a loss. <laughs> Blackjack. Boom. Give me my money. Oh, that was, uh, it was, it, I, I would imagine there's room for Vegas, but uh, I tuned in to see the, the presentation and, you know, I was privy to some things about uh, the San Diego ownership group and, the people that are involved and the San Diego market. Now they have you in store. I'd love to talk more about that because it, it's a slam dunk in many ways. I'll give you my opinion. And I'd love to see what you, you, you say as well, but uh, from what you have seen and look, you've come a long way from being the Blazers VP of basketball guy. You're fully embedded in this sport, in this country. People will turn yeah, to you for happened? your opinion. <laughs> we say, but San Diego, why did it, why did it scream to you and say, this is, this is gold down here. It was just a, it's a perfect market. I mean, first of all, personally, I think I found something nicer than LA. I mean, it is so <laughs> nice down there. <laughs> the weather's phenomenally, it's even better. Um, San Diego is such a, by the way, market. our weather stinks for people in LA right now. We've had like four months of gray. So I've, I've, I've been tried to handles on for weeks. I've tried to complain about that. And nobody seems to want to hear it. They don't so care. Let's just move on. But, I, told, uh, I told them we had more rain than Seattle and they rolled their eyes. Like, I swear to God, it's true. But hey. Yeah. No, it has been rough. Uh, look, Seattle, uh, Seattle, San Diego, 
talk about an amazing market. 3.3 million people in the county. And what's so interesting, and you know this from living out here, San Diego County is distinctive because of the borders, you know, the, the Mexican border to the south and then the water to the west. But it's really Camp Pendleton to the north that creates oh, yeah. like a 20 mile barrier between Orange County and San Diego County. So it's really a, I wouldn't say isolated, but it's a distinct place. And the only major league team down there is the Padres. So you've got all this appetite for professional sports, period. And the San Diego Wave have done a really nice job to show exactly what's happening with the soccer market down there. I mean, that is a top, top market, year in, year out. You know this. At number one, producing soccer players and talent. Tops on the national teams in that regard. And then every time you look at national ratings, when the men's national team, women's national team plays, San Diego over-indexes with the amount of interest and attention and enthusiasm. And then you put it right on the border with Mexico, and that is a blended border operation down there. And uh, that's another 2.7 million people. So you're talking a 6 million person macro area with only one major league professional sports team. So it was just too easy to bring that into town. Not too easy, too logical, very difficult, actually. <laughs> but uh, it made just too much sense. And I mean, you're, you, I think you agree, we both would have seen it that way. Then when you put on top of it, Max, the fact that the stadium was being constructed and is done and is awesome. I mean, that makes it. It's like 35K there. That's where the, so the, is it the San Diego State football plays there? Yeah, the university built it for the football team, but they purpose built it for MLS. They came up and looked at LAFC, and I'm telling you, I must have toured 100 different operations around that building when we were there. And of the 100 people that showed up, this university listened the most and copied the most. They hired the same architect, Gensler. Yeah. And they, they've also done that building in Austin. So Jonathan, the, the architect at Gensler, is just a stud, and he uh, – and that group put together a similar program down in San Diego that's uniquely theirs. And it's an awesome building, but you're right. The bigger capacity. Well, I love stadiums. I love to visit new ones. I look forward to checking that one out. Yeah. It's a little bit bigger and there's a lot to San Diego. I don't know a lot about San Diego, Tom. I don't go for some reason. I don't go down there enough, which is criminal. You know, it's absurd, but uh, it is this wide spectrum of a place. And I think people think of the beaches and the port and, and, but it goes way in, and I'll, I'll I'll get onto that a bit. And you mentioned about the uh, the high participation of soccer, uh, and I, I think about the long list of players that have come from that area. You know, Steve Chirundolo and Frankie Hayduck, but also in Chula Vista, where all these Mexican American kids come out of. And I always think of where are they going to find the next Messi? I, I for some reason Chula Vista always comes to my mind. I always feel yeah. it, it's there, and it, it could be there. Um, but that is a. Um, uh, that's that exists there and in your presentation you had was it each county or no what you know the cities yeah the each city within san diego and like i looked at that and I, the towns that i knew that go way east and it just kind of shows you that it's a big place down there which yeah. means lots of soccer lots of fans to cater to and lots of talent to find well it was interesting you know one of our principal owners is the Sequan tribe, the Native American tribe. And the chairman of the tribe is Cody Martinez. And from the beginning, Cody's been all in on this. 
And he had said to me along the way, he said, look, when people think of San Diego, they think of the coast. Sure. The same way. You know, you think me of too. the beach, you think of, you think of the water. And he said, or you might think of the city itself. But when I say San Diego, I mean the whole county. Because I grew up, he's talking about how he grew up out in the El Cajon area. The reservation is out east. And so much of East County is a big part of life down there. And Cody wanted a club that could appeal to and unite the coast and the city and the East County and even over the border. So that's the vision. That's the idea is to create a club that's reflective of the community. And that's how we did that big giant chrome ball was this idea. I love, of, I love how you described so it. Yeah. Not so subtle uh, way to say we're going to be a reflective club of, of who they are and who we are. Uh, so we put the 18 communities, the 18 cities in San Diego County are independently represented on that 10 foot tall chrome soccer ball. And we're going to have that on a trailer and cruise it around the county over the next 18 months and do events in each of those cities and engage an artist from each of those communities to do an artistic representation of soccer culture from their community. And at the end, we'll have this kind of cool mosaic of what football means down there. And you were saying that you're going to go out to the community to find out what you're going to name the club. So it was at FC San Diego, San Diego FC, and the people, or maybe another option comes up potentially. Yeah, we've sort of looked at the other options, and they're all over the board, and they're very personal <laughs> for people. You know what I mean? Um, this is what happens so, when you give people that power. You're like, okay, everyone, bring it down a notch. <laughs> yeah, we're not asking for blanket ideas because they did that once. Remember when they did it in San Diego? Yeah. And it was like footy foot foots or whatever. The San, the San Diego, uh, like, oh, what was it? Mick, uh, the Mick boat something. But yeah, I remember. I think it, yeah. So it was, no, we're, look, we want to be a club that's in the global ecosystem and we want to be a football club. And Right to Dream is one of our owners and Saquon is one of our owners. And you put these things together and this idea of just representing San Diego to the world and to the football audience in the world and locally. So, you know, the real question we're putting to our audience is, should we put the football first or should we put San Diego first? Should we be football club of San Diego, like FC San Diego, or should we be uh, San Diego FC? And so it's interesting to hear the feedback. That's, that's fantastic. And I'm, and I'm sure we'll find out the, uh, the findings here pretty soon, but you guys, are, it's 2025 that you come in, correct? Yeah, start in 2025. Sounds far away, but it really isn't. I know, right? Right around the corner. You know how, you know how it goes fast. <laughs> I'm trying to find the name of that San Diego team, but uh, I don't want to get distracted here. But uh, it's, it, again, very interesting. You mentioned Mexico because there, there was a pro team that soccer fans would cater to. They'd go across the border to Tijuana. I went on that trip a couple times, mm -hmm. and it, it was good. I had a great time in Tijuana. You'd go see a game. you have some great dinners. I saw Lucha Libre show. Uh, there was it just it's a it's it's a different it's a different world down there. <laughs> so, but uh, it's it's still appealing. I know a lot of fans come from the United States there. In recent days, there's been some episodes where it doesn't feel all that safe. There was a big riot between them and uh, some Santos fans. Not that this has anything to do with you guys, but that's a that's a market of that's a group of fans that San Diego's newest team can cater to. So, what have you? I mean, what have you seen that dynamic? between not just the, the Tijuana club, but just Mexico fans that may be close to the border. Cause the, the Northern part of Mexico is booming. 
I mean, these cities are getting bigger and there's more money there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that is, I mean, that's right on the doorstep of San Diego. You know, I haven't seen much yet on the sport other than Snapdragon held a friendly with a couple of uh, Mexican teams. The Mexican national team will be there next week. And when those things happen, it's just a kind of a full takeover. It's very uh, sure, you know, the way you see in other markets. What I have learned, Max, is just how intertwined the two communities are. I was sort of stunned to learn that many of the schools, the private schools, for example, in San Diego proper are a significant amount of kids come from Mexico every day to go to school. Yep. So they're, you know, and I've heard the term border baby and how there's so many uh, citizens down there or that, that live in one place, work in another. And I've grown up that way. So it's just a, a really integrated community. Um, it'll be interesting to see how much of our audience might come from Mexico and become fans. I mean, that's not our, our, you know, we want to appeal to San Diego County first and foremost, but as an extension of that, it's part of our territory and it's part of our catchment area, both as it relates to commercial activities and also homegrown talent, which is going to be big. And uh, the homegrown talent, I, I, you know, I've seen it. And one of, one of the people we heard from was Right to Dream, which uh, is a, an academy based in Ghana. And they, they, from what I understand, correct me in anything I might have say that's out 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 of context. But the, some European base, they're looking for young players. I I pulled this up, and there was like 220 kids from West Africa, particularly Ghana, who have gone to this academy and now have pursued professional careers. So it's uh, it works. I mean, this is you know proof of concept in your face. Look at all these kids that probably would have slipped through the cracks that go through there. So I, obviously, that's a big deal. And they have to see San Diego as a, an area that not only can help fulfill these dreams, but look, it's this is a part of the business program is finding talent that clubs can sell off and um, become a stronger name and give these guys opportunities. But so when you uh, they, they've got to be excited about this, the San Diego as a place to find talent and maybe f help a lot of kids that could use that uh, the, the connect the dots, so to speak. Yeah, not maybe. That is the whole thing with Right to Dream. It's to it's to hunt where nobody else is looking and to give opportunity to the kids that otherwise wouldn't have it. Started by Tom Vernon 24 years ago in Ghana. He's 19 years old. He's an assistant professional football coach. A young boy says, I want to start a football team from his neighborhood. He adopts the boy, he and his now wife. They move 16 kids into their house. They turn the living room into a school and they feed them, raise them, teach them and coach them. And of those 16 kids, three went to the national team, six went to play professionally and the, and five came to prep school in America and on to scholarship. So it's a professional pathway and an educational pathway. And it's not about just business and selling players. It's about committing to these kids when they're young, 10, 11 and 12, and whether they go into the pros or go into college, all are taken care of either way, boys and girls. So we're replicating that in San Diego. We're going to have an academy, a right to dream academy. And it's not just Ghana, Max. They extended into Denmark, where they own a professional team and run the best academy in Scandinavia. And then Egypt. And I've been over to Cairo and seen what they're building there. It's magnificent. So now expanding into the Americas, into North America, 
And from San Diego, we'll have this enormous launch pad for what they're going to do around the world. That's amazing. And Mohammed Mansour is a primary owner. Uh, he's a, of Egypt, a, a, Egyptian extract. So th there's that connection. Wait, so he lived in Ghana. He was living in Ghana and then he just basically adopted a kid and then it just grew from there. So Tom Vernon moved to Ghana. He's 19. My son <laughs> is going to be 19 in about a month. When, when so Tom he, he, but what, what took him to Ghana? Did, did, we, did he, he went there to coach? He went to, he coach. Went there to oh, coach. Oh, wow. So he was an assistant coach for one of the big professional clubs. And he uh, had this remarkable, he's got a huge heart. He led with his heart. Yeah, he does. And um, yeah, he adopted a young boy whose mother had died. And then the boy said, I'm, I want to play football. You're a football coach. I want a team. And he went out and recruited in the neighborhood in the dirt, found the kids playing in the dirt barefoot and soon realized he needed to adopt them to bring them in because the home life was so fractured and just showing them that kind of love and shining on their talent, there was that level of talent that he was able to develop. And he was able to figure out how to get those. You know, others, a lot of people would go in there to super clubs, go in there to try to source talent. And when the kids aren't good enough, they just kick them to the side and yeah. replace. Not in this program. And Right to Dream, they make a commitment to each of these kids. And he 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 sourced ways for the kids to go to school in America. And right now... There are 50 right to dream kids that are on scholarship in prep school or college. And the number two pick in the draft last year by Orlando was a right to dreamer. So we've seen right to dreamers come through. What I didn't realize is how they had really expanded their scope and scale when Mr. Mansoor came in and made the investment that unlocked all this potential. That's unbelievable. But it, it's, that's such a great point about like um, big soccer going there. We're looking for talent. Okay. He's not going to make it he is not interested we're not he's not of interest but it doesn't work that way you gotta and, the, one, you and the kids that the kids that are good enough don't get an education either i mean they yeah. just they play and when they finish they don't have an education right to dream does this amazing education and then also a character development program that every, all these kids are going through heck i'd want to you you and i should go through it you know it's just <laughs> it's really real stuff that like we all need at any age and it's amazing that these kids get it from age 10 onward. Um, and they're remarkable people. When you meet these young men and women, it's just like, take your breath away. Greatness. Oh, that's amazing. It makes me feel like I'm so unfulfilled where so many kids need help and you, you almost can't help enough. I'm sure Tom is the kind of guy that says, I, I've helped the, the, a thousand kids, but I could probably help a thousand more. How do I do this? And Maybe a network you gotta like this. Have, you got to have him on. He's got. He's he's one of the but most fascinating guys. Consider it done. I'd love to have that conversation because, look, so yeah, you know, there's just helping people. People will never. These kids will never forget that, and from where they came from and where they're going to have an opportunity to go to school. That that they'll always pay it back or pay it forward, however it looks. And then the fact that you can find some of this this talent, and I think it's really it's it's great to see. San Diego and a lot of MLS clubs are getting aligned with other clubs to um, look for talent, but do it the right way to give these kids a pathway and again, nurture them, even if they may not end up playing for your team. But there's also that possibility. You might find a guy, a guy that you could play there and, and maybe share uh, on there. I mean, what have you seen in San? We know your time in LA and you, you, LA, everyone's playing and, there's high participation, but what's that like in San Diego? I mean, what have you seen from the the sheer numbers of uh, people that 
prioritize this sport above all others? Higher and bigger. I mean, the pay-to-play model is super thriving everywhere, but especially in Southern California and especially in San Diego. So that, you know, that that's in place. What isn't in place is for all those kids that love this sport but don't have access to pay to play there is no pathway for those kids so that's what right to dream does is goes in and identifies the kids when they're young enough that you can have an intervention and give an opportunity and then then there there's a clear pathway for them to continue to develop and and exp- and learn how to play the proper way and then have exposure you know in basketball in america there's a pathway for most great 12-year-old kids. First, for boys, they're, they're just giant, right? I mean, they're, they're by definition much bigger, easier to identify. And in AAU basketball, those kids get found for the most part and get opportunities. In soccer, it's just not there because you can't physically see them. Absolutely they're not. not. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, they're smaller. They're more diminutive. They're more regular size and stature. Um, and that's what Right to Dream does is they'll go in and they'll sweep the entire country, for example, in Ghana or Egypt. And Max, they'll take a look at 30,000 boys and they'll pick the top 15. Wow. Based on talent, based on character and based on intellect. And they'll bring the top 15. Same thing in Egypt. It's actually more, 45,000. So it's a really, really cool process and then a result and, you know, not even thinking philanthropically, like, oh, give that boy or girl a chance. What these kids are tuned up to go do, then they go back to their countries in a lot of ways. And the kids that went, the vision is the kids that went pro and have the wealth and the fame reconnect with their classmates who uh, went to Princeton or Harvard or, you know, UPenn or wherever, and they come back uh, with the, uh, the education and the MBA and everything else. And then they do some real good in their community. It's cool. Oh man. Brilliant. And so many, so many interesting ports of call that you said in Ghana, Egypt and Denmark and here in San Diego. So, I mean, it looks like everything's good. You've, you've got the right market. Las Vegas took an L. You're probably <laughs> eating some great food down there too. I presume. <laughs> Absolutely. You. And we're close to your tequila. Oh, <laughs> Well, you got to wash that down, all those really tasty tacos and the like. You got to wash it down a little bit. So, uh, yeah, again, the stadium, the academy. So, uh, you guys are ready to rock. And you know what's, you know, for me, when I, when I heard the announcement, I even tweeted about it. I go, I love it because I know San Diego is fertile ground. I love how it pushes the uh, Major League Soccer's southern border right to big bad yeah. Mexico who's you know they have to be feeling that because you know on the field off the field this big relationship with the league's cup um these teams these leagues are doing it and I know for a fact that there are going to be maybe some young Mexican kids on both sides of the border that might go San Diego is going to be my club uh yeah. so I, I that's pressure I love that I love feeling that that that's part of it and you you also have this nice corridor up north of you because I don't think there could be enough teams. And when we, we, we talked about LAFC. I go, this city could probably have another MLS club. And maybe that, that, there's a lot of other markets. Because look, San Diego has taken forever to get this opportunity. And now people are saying, why did it take so long? I mean, everything's there. Yeah. 
So, and not to mention that it's like only the Padres are in town. And I know Manny Machado is part of your ownership group. My God, that guy's massive. Yeah. Yeah, he's awesome. <laughs> he's okay. But he, 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 what was the yeah. hook with him? He, someone said soccer. He goes, I'm in. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, no, he was keenly interested. And we're going to add a handful of other partners like Manny who have their own either authentic connectivity to San Diego or an authentic love of right to dream and what right to dream is all about. And, and so many athletes like that have, have gone on their own rags to riches journey and were given an opportunity when they otherwise wouldn't have. Um, and so we're going to, we're talking to some really, really interesting partners about that and uh, more to come. Right on. And, but Manny's a, a soccer fan. He, he, yeah, huge. Yeah, I can see these athletes. JJ Watt is now a minority owner in uh, Burnley, so everyone's watching the sport and they want to get into it. And they could yeah. do it overseas, but you could do it here in the United States. Yeah, and this was cool. I mean, Manny's Mister San Diego too. He's just so vested in the community. And when he learned, he and his wife learned about Right to Dream, what that meant, they were like, "We are all in." And they, you know, they even spoke about how it was destined, you know, because. It just hit with what they want to do with their foundation and this opportunity to help those that otherwise don't get the the pathway. I was be, before I brought up Manny. I I did want to say you look at that corridor above you and you have Galaxy and you have LFC and that area is really well served. So have you thought about these rivalries and just because everyone's going to be competing for that talent? You've got what what's east and south of you certainly down pat. But, you know, up there, there's – and I, I, I get excited because the more eyeballs, the better. And then how that translates to when these teams play. But I think it's fantastic. Again, um, they want more – there have been success stories in the South, in the Northeast, the Midwest with MLS. But I know California, because of the participation, because of the fandom, uh, because of the proximity to Mexico, uh, is the more the merrier. And now yeah. <laughs> you already have – does it feel like you have two instant rivals there? We should. Yeah. I mean, we need to earn that. Right. It was the same way with LAFC when we came in, we were, you know, respectful of the galaxy and said, we got to, we're going to have to earn it, which I think we did. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, in this case, you don't have to look any further than what happened in the major league baseball playoffs with the Padres hosting and beating uh, the Dodgers. I mean, the whole place was reverberating still around that. So there's this natural, neighborhood rivalry that's going on so i think there'll be a natural uh tendency for us to want to knock off la and i'm talking to both of them when i say that <laughs> i'm talking to both of you <laughs> it's great i think that's gonna blossom you know la san diego you you mentioned how there's only the padres i know some people are tuning in. wait the chargers aren't going back it wouldn't seem to be the case wouldn't seem the case but that that just you know, uh, quickens the pace, gets the fires brimming between the rivalry yeah. between these two cities. Because it's a little... You don't, know, you don't know why. I mean, you mentioned Steve Chirundolo. You know, he's from down there. There's there's going to be intertwining of, you know, people and stories and narratives. You never know what pops up and how it happens. And um, it'll be super fun, though, and great for the league, to your point. Absolutely. And 30 teams is a nice number, but I'm sure they're going to expand. I'm, th I'm thinking 32, and maybe Las Vegas will get them get in there. Yeah, we'll yeah, the commissioner there. said for the first time that he thinks they're going to take a little pause and uh, certainly want to get through the – it's up to the board to decide, but there was already an agreement to to go to 30, and then I think they're going to take a deep breath now. And according to Don, he said they're going to take a deep breath and 
and then reassess after that. It's incredible. And look, Don Garber, you know, some people want to criticize him. I, I put him as one of these great <laughs> execs. And look, I'm gainfully employed because of what MLS does, and I'm eternally grateful. But to see what he's done, because I'm covering the league now, I was in St. Louis, and I, it's, that wasn't there. They have this incredible stadium and a culture that feels like it has been there. And yeah. I'm sure the same with San Diego. And then prior to that in Austin – and now you can you could have a travel this North America and have an incredible trip, just soccer related to see teams yeah. and stadiums. It, it, well, an expansion expansions fueled all that, right? I mean, what you just mentioned were all these expansion clubs that, in this current modern era, you get this chance to invent it um, with the tailwind that the sport has. And you were a big part of that with LAFC, right? We from the beginning we were like, okay, how could how would we want to do this? And then we did it collectively in partnership with the audience. And that's what's so cool. So that for me is so exciting about San Diego is how are they going to create this themselves um, in partnership with us, the club, and then we'll create this awesome, to quote Peter Guber, the modern day campfire where we all come together to, to have a shared human experience and to hug one another and joy. Did he say that and last part? <laughs> <laughs> going to be you know it's just super fun so well, i can't wait to see it and it's going to be here before you know it good luck with everything the name good luck with the i know you're hitting the pavement and uh reaching out to communities and fans to help develop this so it looks really uh, fine-tuned by the time it, it comes in but it's always great to catch up with you and thanks for all the great work you've done for our sport tom hey be very proud it, well the, the greatest work of all might just be this podcast what a, what a joy I agree with you. No argument here. <laughs> Tom Penn, the CEO of the soon-to-be-named San Diego Club, which becomes the Major League Soccer in 2025. It will be Team 30. I look forward to my road trip. So you get the asada and the tequila or whatever ready to ready to roll, okay? Come on down. We got you. And then I'll say some nice things about the club here on the podcast, which I already will because there's so Perfect. much to say. Tom Penn, stepping out of the business, and we'll be back with stoppage time. The, the U.S. men's national team are together in Los Angeles preparing for the Nations League. Some interesting things are being said. We'll talk about the state of the U.S. national team next. The U.S. men's national team preparing for two games in the Nations League. Mexico here on the 15th, so 10 days from the time I'm recording this. And then a couple days later, they will play the winner of Canada, Panama, at Allegiant Stadium there in uh, Las Vegas. They're training in L.A. in the meantime. Um, you know, obviously uh, looking to pick up the spirits after the disappointing exit by the under-20s. Uh, so a lot of the players are there, and they're being interviewed for uh, this camp. So they're getting, you know, 24-player camp. I think I talked about it last week. If I didn't, this is the Fularen Balogun camp. We'll see him get capped in all likelihood against Mexico officially. Uh, this is a very strong European-based group. Um, BJ Callahan is the, is the second interim manager after Anthony Hudson moved on. It is Christian Pulisic, Gio Reyna, Tim Weah. There is no Tyler Adams, so it's a little light. Uh, defensively, a lot of injuries. Tim Ream, Cameron Carter, Vickers, but uh, just name recognition. A lot of European base. I think there's four MLS players. The most notable Walker Zimmerman, who is going to play 
uh, in uh, these games because you still need experience. You know, some of these younger guys, and they all want the 20-year-old guys based in Europe to play. I go, you know, you don't know about sports, right? If you think that. Because at the end of the day, there's athleticism and talent will take you there. But you need seasoning. You need experience. You need a... Uh, you need a grown man strength, etc. All of that in place to be able to to be a top professional. Every every sport, every national team, every club certainly has had that. Um, so uh, the U.S. the the kid, it's a little more experience. And I, I look at what has happened between twenty the last before world cup qualifying and it's it's very different these guys are ready to go these guys have gone through a qualification cycle and they've most of them 13 i think in total have played in a world cup so it's a different group than it was just a year ago or two years ago and you should feel much better about it now there's a media availability and christian polisic was asked about greg berhalter i said i think he is still considered I think he should be considered. I think he did a great job with the team. He brought us a long way. I think a lot of people and a lot of guys in the team especially would agree with that. Oh, boy. So Christian Pulisic, very forthright. Uh, Jonathan Tannenwell has a nice article about that. And uh, I'm going to reread that because I kind of glossed over it quickly. So I shouldn't call it a nice article if I haven't read the whole thing, but I get the idea of it. So uh, back at USA camp, and um, maybe it's Christian Pulisic trying to get playing time. Um, all the guys are still there, uh, are, are very loyal to Greg Berhalter, including Anthony Hudson, who was on his staff. So why wouldn't he? I imagine B.J. Callahan is as well. So Christian Pulisic, you know, voicing it out, which is perfectly normal, right? He's, he's the best player. So I'm on Twitter, and people have turned on him. Because he aligned himself with Greg Berhalter, and that's apparently a no-no. And now people are saying, well, you're not our best player. Our best player is Gio Reyna. And I go, great. Now let's mount more pressure on, on that fragile young man who doesn't need it. He, We need to let him grow. Don't burden him with this stuff. And by the way, Christian Pulisic is our best player, even though he hasn't played at Chelsea. When that World Cup started, our offense goes around Pulisic, but he gets results. Scored the goal. I took it a, a shot in the groin, put the ball th- against Iran, put the ball through for way against Wales. I mean, sh- head and shoulders above the contribution of any other American. I don't even think that's debatable. But because he said he likes Greg Berhalter, now we're just pivoting? Get the heck out of here. Get the heck. And look, don't tell me that um, this is an overreaction. I'm looking at it, like established accounts, and they are just uh, breaking him down because he aligned that with Greg Berhalter. Can we be better than this? It's actually pretty funny more than anything, but uh, it is, this is going to happen. Now, should Greg Berhalter come back? No. And I was, I heard this Swansea City rumor. I hope he goes there. I think it's just been too weird to bring him back, but I, I believe Christian Pulisic when he says there are several players who are aligned with him. And maybe that's based on those were the guys that were in the inner group and getting playing time. Who wasn't on that inner group? Uh, Gio Reyna, obviously, who was told that, and this created this whole hullabaloo afterwards. And Gio Reyna, if Greg Berhalter was brought back, it would be v- detrimental to him. 
I know that. So for just the sake of Gio Reyna's development, I would want Greg Berhalter out because Gio Reyna could develop into a superstar player. I don't like what I've seen over the last year. I didn't like what he, how he handled things in the World Cup. Uh, I don't like the way his, his family reacted to this. Um, uh, you know, just, you know, he, a, lot, a lot of, there's, there's, Greg Berhalter should not have said what he said about him, but there's some truth there, right? He said that to make a point about Gio Reyna. But Gio Reyna's a kid. He can, he can sulk. He can carry on. He wants to play. And I love that. But Gio Reyna, on the club level, even though he had some great moments off the bench, never really featured. Um, so Derdich, the Dortmund coach, much like Berhalter, didn't have him in the inner circle. That's fine. Gio Reyna has a long way to go. Um, he is not our best player. Just that we can't have that conversation. Talent-wise, Maybe you could say that. Maybe it's superior than Christian Pulisic, but we haven't seen that translate on at any moment on the national team. Has he had a, a big enough sample size? Absolutely not. But it hasn't translated into that situation. So Christian Pulisic gets carte blanche. Now, could things change with Reyna and Fuller and Balogun? Maybe, but they're not changed now. Let's not get into this. This let's not get into this. Just handing the keys over to Balogun. I mean, I th he is an upgrade, and I think he's going to do well, but let's pump the brakes a bit. This is still Christian Pulisic's team. He is leader until someone displaces him. Maybe he gets displaced over these two games. Maybe Balogun comes in and scores three goals over two games and becomes the guy. Maybe Gio Reyna, who has been brought in as a midfielder, so we might see him as a number 10, which could be very exciting. Maybe he starts to show that it's his time. But it's not the time now. So do not diminish what Christian Pulisic says because you don't like the subject matter. It's Christian Pulisic. It's, <laughs> he is our guy, you know? So, um, and that, that's his opinion. I mean, I, I've disagreed with Christian Pulisic on a lot of things, but I want to hear him talk. Um, I mean, the, the thing about Pulisic is he was under, he played for Klinsman and Bruce Arena. Um, so he's comparing it to other guys that he's had an experience with. Uh, so that's the way it is. Um, we'll now have to see exactly what comes of it. I don't want too many distractions, but I said this about the U.S. men's national team. Since the World Cup ended, it's been nonstop, and we haven't even got a, appointed a coach yet. But you talk about dual nationals. You talk about the Reynas versus the Burhalters. You talk about... Um, the transition to Anthony Hudson, you talk about Fulhar and Balogun, the, the last of the guys to, um, and the search for Fulhar and Balogun to come through. Uh, you have a USA-Mexico game under our belt already. We'll have another one. I mean, 2023 has been fantastic. It's, or at least it's been eventful. And it certainly should go that way as we, we, we see this group. But let's support our guys, regardless of who's in charge. You know, when I, I look at Coaching matters. I, I thought Greg Berhalter did a good job, but is he the guy to take us over the top? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, probably not. And coaching does matter because we're losing games, going back to the under-20s, we're losing games at the same stage. We're, we keep getting taught lessons on the world stage, and it's getting really old. You know, against the Netherlands, we were all confident the way the U.S. play in the groups that they're going to beat this Dutch team that um, tactically... And fundamentally, we're good. Talent-wise, maybe not as talented as the U.S. They were after that. But we go in that game. We have some moments. And then when the big moment comes up, we wilt. 
Same thing with the under-20s against a Uruguay team who they're same age, play like the senior team, they have a moment, and they do it. So I hope we are giving lessons. And, you know, I put that in there because I don't, you know, when we talk about when the U.S. is going to win a World Cup, the more and more I see, I don't know if they ever will. I just don't know if they will. The talent's getting better. Um, the resources are getting a little better. But we're still so far away, we can't advance out of these tournaments. And it becomes systemic in many ways. You know, that's who we are. Um, so I never want to not hear from these players. And then they're training in L.A. and we'll see where they're going. But I can't wait to see these games. We'll have much more on those games moving forward when they uh, arrive. And oh, this is what I was going to say. You know, the players that were unhappy, we heard from Gio Reyna. Uh, Ricardo Pepe, who should have been on that World Cup roster, that was a screw-up. Um, he's not on the Burhalter train. Uh, Joe Scally, who uh, was asked on Football America what kind of coach the U.S. should have, he says, well, one that's not going to, he said something like, it's not going to reinvent the wheel and not do it like a, a, a club team, not treat us like a club team, which was a direct shot at Greg Burhalter. And I'm talking like, Joe Scally, who the heck are you, dude? You might become something great, but who who the heck are you? Wait a minute, what have you done? And then people ran with it, and they're like, okay, um, listen to Joe. He knows what he's talking about. He might be right, but his opinion doesn't carry weight. Christian Pulisic's does. I'd say Gio Reyna's does. Joe Scali hasn't earned that yet. He hasn't. So that, that was like a really not-so-veiled shot. I just thought it was weird. But look, Greg Berhalter... You rub some people the wrong way, and it's a tough job, you know. So we're, we're getting a look at how the sausages are made a little bit, but um, there's a there's a lot of issues with U.S. soccer that we're going to have to deal with. Um, not to mention our guys not playing regularly. But let's bring on these games, and uh, let's uh, be some reverence to Christian Pulisic, the soccer OG. Rate, review, download, subscribe, and tell a friend. Check out the Soccer OG on YouTube under my name, Max Bretos, for all these latest videos. I know you love to hear my voice, but how about seeing me, too, for an added bonus? Hello, ladies. Uh, that'll be available on YouTube. So, another show in the books. We'll be back again next week with another great podcast. Until then, get your toasted raviolis and Placido Domingo! Domingo!